So how has the lockdown been for you? Lockdown for me uh, as a writer, uh, it doesn't make much of a difference. Rather, you get more time to write and read. So in fact, uh, I could write a lot. <laughs> so sir, uh, what inspired you to write mythological books? I I write what I know about. Uh, I always wanted to be a storyteller. So when I chose to write, I thought I will write uh, whatever I am comfortable with. This was something which I grew up with, uh, the stories from Puranas and other things. Uh, so I thought I should write about that. What were the hardships that you faced in your initial days? I mean, your writing of the perspective is different. It is different than others or other authors, right? So were there any hardship that you faced in your initial days? Uh, the usual uh, rigor I also went through, uh, around 18 rejections I faced. Uh, and since it was a first book, there was no deadline or anything and I was learning my craft. Still, I am learning my craft, but at that time, it was more difficult. So, it took almost a decade to complete it. But it was a work of passion. So, it took the first book, Asura. It wrote by itself. It took a decade. It took another two to three years to get it published. So, almost it's a 12 years' work. And around 18 rejections, then only it came out. That's really inspiring. But I think that is a common story for most of the authors, right? Yes. I don't think anyone, uh, very few are lucky enough to get there in the first attempt the book gets So you have to do a lot of research before writing anything, right? So what is your process? Like, how do you research on something? See, it is not a research research per se because these are the tales which are, uh, which are the, which are something which I grew up with. Yes. So, this cannot be whatever I am writing. Most of them, you will not find them in internet or through Google or Wikipedia. And even when I started writing, even Google, Wikipedia were not, uh, I don't think it was there. Uh, 18 years back or something yeah. was not there. So, uh, mostly it is the tales which I heard through my travel, the folk tales, uh, which I had recorded. Many of them, some of them in written format. Uh, when I used to go to... Mm-hmm. Many of the, see, a lot of temples are there in the south where yeah. enough folk artists to come and perform. So they tell age old stories passed on orally uh, from generations to generations. Uh, so mm-hmm. this kind of things like Sita being the daughter of Ravan, these are all part of folk tales. Though there are Ramayans like Jain Ramayana, where it is already said, but uh, there are much more. I don't think uh, even 10% of Indian stories we have ever written it down. Still, there is 90% out there which anyone has to write it down. They are, some are dying out. Some are still being passed on from generation to generation. So, my inspiration is from those folk tales. It's, it's really it's, exciting to read all that. So, what I did was I just compiled and then I put my imagination and the style of uh, storytelling and wrote it. So, it is more or less inspired from folk tales, folk storytelling, traditions, uh, contrarian tellings and all those things I got from the villages, from the rural area. So, I stand on the shoulders of many oral storytellers, uh, which is a almost 3,000-year-old tradition perhaps, as old as Indian languages. So, so when did you decide that you wanted to be a storyteller? Uh, I was always a storyteller uh, right from my, uh, right when I can remember. I had been always a storyteller. I am a born liar. So <laughs> I always used to make up stories when I was in primary school itself. Oh. Putting that into 
writing, typing it out, writing it down, that took a lot of time. But stories I always used to make. I used to make up stories about my friends, speeches, whoever I could. And wild imagination also I always had. So it came naturally <laughs> to me. <laughs> so, so tell us something about your first book, Asura. How was it? I mean, I know it took a decade to write it down. I mean, were you frustrated at any point or were you continuously encouraged that, no, I have to write it? I mean, a decade is a pretty first long book, time. Uh, first book is never frustrating. First book, you don't know how the world is going to take it. You are just writing it for any writer. The first book is always special because you are writing it for yourself. After yeah. that, once you achieve success or failure or I don't know whether what you call success or failure, but at least you have a reader base and all, then you start writing for the market and other things. So first mm-hmm. book doesn't have anything. You don't even know. You are just exploring what is happening. So Asura, there was no frustration as such uh, because there was no time limit that I had to finish it before this. Now it is like I have a deadline. I have to give it. I have to check, take care of when the... book has to hit the stand i have written more screenplays which is uh, almost 500 hours of screenplay i've written now for television films and all so that all those are uh, having lots of deadlines and work pressure whereas fast book writing is always a pressurable experience that's what i said no it took it took its own time sometimes there was gap there were gaps of 6 months or 8 months when i didn't write a single word now i cannot afford that <laughs> I mean, here I had to produce at least one or two books, and uh, I will have to continuously, daily, I have to write because once you become a professional writer, you don't have the luxury of uh, thinking that next six months I am not going to write. That luxury you don't have. <laughs> so you wrote Mahabharata from Kaurava's perspective, right? Yeah. So what encouraged you to write it from Kaurava's perspective? See, uh, there are two things. One is, by the time I was writing Mahabharata, I was already into television, and I was writing Siyakiram, Chakravarti Ashoka. Anuman had not started Mahabharata when I wrote later, so I was exploring the same stories from various sides. I have heard these Puranas uh, from different perspective from many storytellers. So Duryodhana's Mahabharata came after a visit to one temple in Kerala, in the South Kerala. Or Duryodhana is the uh, idol. He's yes, sir, I deity. saw that TED talks of TED talk of your where you said that that you went yeah, to yeah. one of the temple and the pundit told you. It's called Malanada Temple. It's a very old temple, pretty old temple, at least thousand thousand five hundred years old. People claim it is from the Mahabharata period, but at least the structure and other things are quite old. Those temple uh, almost seven to ten lakh people come every year to celebrate Duryodhana. And I found that another temple is there in Himachal Pradesh for Duryodhana. Raman Temple, even I was familiar with earlier itself. There are many Raman Temples in the south, Sri Lanka and all. But Duryodhana uh, Temple, Shakuni Temple. Later, I found out five kilometers away from the same place, there is a Shakuni Temple. There is a temple for Ashwatthama. Yes. One good thing about India or bad thing about India is that we deify everything. You know, we make everyone gods, from film stars to characters, from stories to politicians to even Donald Trump. Uh, we are made god. So, <laughs> so you are, so are good storytellers. You are able to associate uh, everything to divinity. It's a good thing, also. Maybe sometimes it uh, becomes a bad thing. There is no such thing as absolute good or absolute bad. All depending on the circumstances. Uh, so it keeps changing. But we have this habit of making everyone a god. Yes. So, so yeah. you, but in India, it is considered as 
people most of the people usually believe that kauravas were bad and pandavas were good so now that you wrote uh, mahabharata from kaurav's perspective were there any controversies that you faced uh i think only the generation which grew up watching television consider that kauravas are bad and uh, pandavas are milky white because that is how television showed but people who are familiar with mahabharata who have read vyasa mahabharata or heard it from the grandparents and all they know that either side they committed mistakes yeah. uh so that is a that is a way even uh, that is the way it was always told only television changed it into a format of good versus bad otherwise a generation before that this problem was not there we had celebrated everyone because uh, of course uh, in the bhakti era uh, when people started worshiping krishna and all kauravas were painted darker but they were never evil evil they were said they committed certain mistakes and they were also considered as great, great warriors and each of the warriors among kauravas died because of some mischief or sly tactics used by the pandavas yes it got justified as this is what you have to do for good to win but in india itself this question was asked i asked that question loud and clear in uh, ajaya rise of kali series where if in mahabharata war if it was good uh, that won over evil then the next era should have been uh, satyayuga a golden age not kaliyuga if a dark age comes after the victory of uh, x were x over y what does that ensue is x good or is dark x evil it is a evil age of kali which comes when so, i heard this i really i really thought about it deeply like i could relate with you i mean i heard it in one of your ted talks again that you mentioned this see why it got changed i have told it in many interviews and talks uh, the fundamental uh, reason for ramayana and mahabharata is not about good versus is about karma and karma bala these are two different things good versus evil at the cost of reputation if i may say good versus evil is a very western concept very semantic concept i'm not saying it is inferior or superior but the concept wise uh, it is like uh, god versus satan uh, or devil sin versus redemption heaven versus hell it works on duality there uh, all the semantic religion christianity islam judaism marxism all these four religions work on us versus them whereas all the eastern religions like hinduism buddhism jainism taoism confucianism all the eastern ones they work on the harmony with the nature and they work on karma and karma bala that is you are presented with a choice the the, the top why you are at that juncture could be a result of destiny or it could be a result of whatever you have done earlier or whatever your dear ones or the opponent have done earlier so many things act together but you are presented with a choice you make a choice you act on it and you pay the price good or bad you either enjoy the results or pay the price for it this is a very simple theory which has been propagated so that is uh, acting as per your conscience was defined as dharma so your dharma need not be my dharma that is why kurukshetra is dharmakshetra or one definition of dharma is clashing with another definition of dharma so everyone pays the price even krishna ultimately pays the price gandhari curses krishna that uh, you were you made my children 
fight with each other and your dynasty also my dynasty fight with each other so your kula also will fight with each other and die off that's what happened to yadava so krishna also pays the price for mahabharata war once you understand that then there is no concept of good and evil then this question doesn't come whether what one uh, in the mahabharata war because mahabharata war's uh, uh, fundamental meaning itself is that war is futile mahabharata is basically an anti war story not a story of good triumphing over evil so uh, that is why vyasa put it uh, the name jaya an ironical name for a war where no one won everybody lost so yudhishthira says after everything yudhishthira says jaya dasmat parajaya why does this uh, victory looks like defeat because it is defeat everyone got defeated not just kauravas once you understand mahabharata from that perspective this kind of doubt or ramayana from that perspective uh, this simplistic explanation of good versus evil and defining one part as good and the other part as evil and the uh, ensuing confusion all will vanish because the moment you define rama as a pitom of good and ravana as a pitom of bad what happens is uh, you then become accountable for all. everything rama did rama here is not god rama is a avatar of vishnu so he has come as come in the human form with all the failings of humans he may be the perfect man but he is still the man and man has failings and once we understand that rama whatever he does he pays a price for it for each of his act so he when he kills bali he what he does when you start defending him as good then suddenly you are confused you don't have an explanation how can a good man hide behind a tree and kill bali who had no problem with rama then you go for convoluted explanations that bali is an animal king can hunt all kind of convoluted explanation we can see here right from the medieval age onwards because once his concept came of good versus evil the total confusion resulted it resulted in total confusion but once we think that rama at that time thought that that is his dharma he wanted he took a decision when the choice came and killed bali he rama can justify we all justify our action but yeah. the karma and karma bala will remain so what happens is in the next avatar the same bali comes as jara and kills krishna so rama even rama doesn't escape uh, same way jara kills krishna so rama doesn't escape the uh, his karma bala so he has to eat the fruits of his action why because he is a man and every man man woman uh, everyone will have to pay for their actions good or bad good action they get rewarded bad action and many actions are you won't even able to know what is uh, good or bad when you are doing what is good for you need not be good for me what is good for you now need not be good for you tomorrow yeah. so it is a continuous flux of what is good and what is not once we understand this simple concept which is actually one way you think it's very mind boggling also but it explains away a lot of things then the confusion of why a good rama abandoned uh, innocent sita and then rage against rama everything uh, vanishes i told it in many interviews rama abandoned sita it is his karma what is the karma bala in the next life next life he is not able to krishna is not able to save his own wives they are captured by durjaya and who comes as durjaya all the durjaya and his men all the rakshasas who rama had killed while fighting ravana because these rakshasas didn't have any problem with rama no 
they were in a innocence they were doing their dharma not innocence they were doing their dharma they were fighting for their king their dharma was to fight for their king like kumbhakarna dharma was to fight for the brother you can advise a brother don't do this but ultimately his dharma is to fight against the brother so and fight along with the brother for fight for ravana and uh, uh, fight against rama so the all the asuras who fought for ravana they come back as durjayas men and uh, take away all the 16000 and 8 wives of sita uh, uh, krishna in the next avada so it's an eternal cycle of uh, dharma and karma bala rather than good versus evil okay that's really an interesting point of view written so if someone matlab uh, in today's world there's a lot of crimes each day you can see different crimes happening so one will face those problems but it is also said that one faces the punishment he did in this life itself uh see uh, first of all what we have to understand is no theory is completely perfect not even karma theory because this has been also been discussed by many of the philosophers saints in india so one of the pertinent question is uh, for humans it may work but uh, we also believe that uh, we can take uh, birth i am going by that logic i am not arguing here whether soul is there or all those atmaiser or not i am say let us for a moment accept atmaiser and that goes from sometimes it becomes uh, uh, it uh, from human it becomes uh, some other creature say it becomes a pig just imagine next genma is a pig the next gen my is a pig what is the dharma of the pig to eat garbage so how do you measure this karma karma bala of a pig whether it should eat more garbage than it is doing is dharma well or less garbage if it eats it is doing is dharma well pig eat shit so should it eat more shit to its dharma or less shit to do uh, its dharma so uh, there are places where uh, this theory also breaks down that's what i said nothing is perfect this has been uh, debated a long among various saints uh, in india because that is our tradition you have to uh, debate it threadbare the best thing what buddhism did which was following the vrishtic tradition even though they argued also and talking about the tradition not about the philosophy was to have a daily debate on buddha's words itself and trying to refute buddha so one of in ancient buddhist monasteries one of the things what they did was every day the monks will have to argue against buddha and see argue against buddha's this thing and uh, test it whether whatever buddha has told say 1000 years ago or 500 years ago that time when they were doing it whether it is relevant for this time there has to be a constant update on knowledge human knowledge uh, keeps on increasing we are every day uh, the idea of living is to push to the limits of knowledge science does that so science does, doesn't have any permanent heroes if einstein is proved wrong he is proved wrong there are places where uh, say uh, in the just before just at the time of uh, big bang the theory of relativity breaks down the so what happens is uh, einstein is wrong at that place but n plus 0.0001 second he is right so the the same person gets right or wrong i'm not uh, taking science to justify uh, puranas or anything and telling uh, we had this culture of debating 
and discarding what is not required. Upanishad is about uh, questioning. It questions. Gita itself is not a commandment that Thor shall do this, Thor shall not do that. It is not. It is a debate. Janaka yeah. debates uh, with the Yatna Vilkya. Many of the Upanishads are that. Many of the Upanishads exchange uh, saints uh, keep debating. And they say to find what is true, you have to keep on denying, say, uh, testing it, using your intelligence, using your reason, which itself is incomplete. But whatever you keep on improving, no, whatever faculty you have, you are uh, analyzing it and saying, no, it is not this. Neti, neti, neti. It is not this. It is not this. It is not this. Then what it is? It is an unending quest that has to drive. Uh, science or philosophy or the humanity forward. Let the knowledge come from all parts of the world. Let wind bring knowledge from everywhere, all eight directions. And let it sweep away what is stagnant in our mind. Give me a different way to look at things. So, so what, what was your idea behind writing Bahubali? There was no idea as such. I was called to write Bahubali. I don't know. It's not like <laughs> So I created I, it is an official prequel. It is not that it's a fan fiction and I thought I found the film. I of course found the film fascinating. So I decided to write on that. I am a part of the team and I wrote it as a prequel which is coming as a Netflix series. Yeah. So two books are out. Third book will be out soon. Uh, I already finished it. It is in the final stage of proofreading and all. So the three two books are out, Raisa Shivagami and Chadranga. The fourth book, Queen of Mahishmadi, will be coming soon. And which is becoming a Netflix series. So what was your reaction when the producers of Bahubali approached you for writing the book? Reaction for anyone getting associated with such a prestigious project is a moment of pride and moment of reputation also. Because the kind of responsibility I had to take, uh, I had to take, or still I am bearing is tremendous. For example, this is a blockbuster film uh, and films have lots of advantages. Uh, for the viewer, everything is fed. You need not uh, imagine much. You, ha you have to just uh, bring the vismaya or the spectacle in front of you and take you forward, suck you into the story. When you write it on words, you have to create the same magic with words yeah. on a book. And there you become the actor, you become the director, you become the music director, you become the editor. You become, yeah. you become the story writer. You become a lot of things the writer will have to play. And what you have is uh, a black and white word in an inanimate uh, book. So through words, I will have to make you hear the background music. The words, I will have to make you hear, uh, uh, make you smell the fragrance or make you feel disgust about uh, the putrid uh, smell of... Uh, Corpses rotting in a battlefield, or uh, I had to make you hear the song of a cuckoo, or the clash of the swords. I have to do the lighting, I have to do the shadows, I have to do the characters, place them, do the art direction. That becomes uh, a tough job. If you are writing as an independent novel, then uh, you are imagining it. Now I have to match everything with the visual grandeur, grandeur of the film. Uh, at the same time, a novel is not a film. Yeah. A novel has to uh, go deeper into the minds of people, minds of the characters. 
and it has to keep you enthralled i don't know whether i was capable of doing it the books i have done well uh, but it is always a risk and it is one of the toughest job perhaps uh, if i may say so done by any writer in recent times yeah. and i had written it in 100 days or 200 days uh, the entire sequence which is almost 60 hour of content when it comes in comes as a netflix series oh 40 characters juggling with 40 characters and seven or eight plot lines Oh, so this is actually that brings me to my next question. I mean, books, movies, and series are different way of uh, portraying stories, right? So, which mode of communication do you think is the most impactful amongst large audience? Without a doubt, the films are seen by most. TV also has a great reach. I have worked in all these media. Uh, only thing is, uh, their life shelf life is limited. Where books score an advantage. Yeah. I can do time travel with book. Yeah. I can speak to somebody three hundred years hence. They will hear my words. Films or television, it will be rare because they become dated very fast. However spectacular the film is, maximum you can get is for that period they have done it great. You watch Ben Hur now; it's a great film. But we will say for that period they have done it great. You watch Mughalia, some same thing you will say. what yeah. shole you will say the same thing spectacular film for that period always it is with a but you never read the war and peace and say oh spectacular book for that period war and peace is a classic 1000 years hence mahabharata is a classic 5000 years hence there the book writers score an advantage so i want to be in all worlds i want to be a screenplay writer also and a book writer also and a columnist also and a speaker also why not i personally feel like book book touches your soul so if you're reading a book it really you really feel that but see books uh, uh, the communication with the writer and the reader is direct yeah whereas other one is easier so but uh, book the number of people reading a book is a minuscule percentage of people who watch films we have to accept that yeah books are written for a very small audience comparatively Uh, for example like uh, some of the episodes of siya keram and all which i wrote 40 crore was the viewership or ashoka and all 40 crore 35 crore was the viewership if that many copies of my book sell then i will be owning a fleet of private jets <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to watch than to read i think that's why most of people usually watch so the key is to define yourself as a storyteller rather than a novelist now saying that you are a novelist i will write only poetry or i will write only novels or a short story is restricting yourself it will be like some a cricketer telling i will play only test cricket test cricket is elegant but you have to play t20 too mm-hmm. yes point so you write mythological books so do you want to experience writing other genres as well i have written many things for television for example in netflix already there is a series called surfers Which yeah. I had done the it's a war film. I had written episodes of Adal. Books uh, now I have come up with a children's book. Uh, yes. As for our kids, I I will be exploring uh, horror. I will be exploring historical fiction, which is Shivagami uh, is a kind of historic fiction. If you ask, so there is no historic. It's a pseudo historic fiction, but it's written like a historical romance. Then I will be writing uh, cozy mysteries. Uh, For which I have signed up uh, with my publishers, 
So all these are things in offering and uh, short story collection also is coming. I'm not going to leave anything. I'm even trying to write a stage play. Why not? Oh, that's great. It would have come, uh, but for COVID. So uh, in Prithvi Theatre, I was trying to do something as a stage play. But since now everything got pushed, but I will do that also, no doubt. I, I write poetry uh, in Malayalam, English also. Now I'll be writing. You have written, I not published. Malayalam, I keep publishing. So I will try poetry also. I'll try everything. I'll not leave anything. I'll write humor. I don't know whether somebody will laugh or other like pay the people to laugh. But I'll write it. So personally, even I like to write. I write poetry, but when it comes to writing stories and all, I feel really scared. Ki whether I'll be able to write it or not. So it's really scary, and then I don't, I don't push myself to write it because I get scared. Uh, nobody learns writing on the first day. It is just a what you call. Uh, I don't know who has spread this lie. Maybe some writers who didn't want competition. Writing is like any other art. If you are a singer, how much practice you will do before getting into the stage? So why do you expect that you sit before a paper and suddenly you become Shakespeare? It doesn't happen like. That. Yeah. If you want to perform on a stage, if you are a dancer, a classical dancer, you practice for twelve years and before you first time you step into the stage, right? So why do you expect uh, you can write just like that? Your first story will win the Nobel Prize or something like that. It doesn't happen. The first writings what you do will be bad or horrible. Hell, ninety uh, percent of what I write uh, when I read it second time, I have to thrash it. So uh, it is about quantity. Quantity will give quality. Born writing. So when I write, uh, just now I was just uh, doing an audit of Bahubali. It's a big book. The three books I completed, all put together, there are around two point five lakh words. Three books put together. But when I saw what I had written, I had written around twelve lakh words out of which I had cut and taken two point five lakh. And since there is a paucity of time, I am not able to make it any shorter. If I got enough time, I would have made the, all the three books together into around one lakh or one point five lakh. Because uh, the more time you give, the things will get shorter. So what all professional writers do is they write a lot, then cut it down. Editing takes a lot of. So you have to keep on writing, and uh, just like how you keep on singing or keep on practicing for a sports. And slowly it gets perfect. That's how it comes. I'll keep that in mind. I'll definitely start writing stories now. So, in one of your TED talks, you have talked about a speculation about how we are an experiment created by someone else. So, what makes you think that we are an experiment? No, no, it is just a flight of thought. <laughs> so, this is uh, means it is like how you uh, why not? Was my question because uh, what I argued there was. We are creating artificial intelligence now, which yeah. is perhaps having ten percent of our capacity for repetitive tasks, maybe. But slowly, it is getting cognitive capacities and all. Suppose after fifty years, they become much more smarter than us. Then, why I was thinking it back. What if uh, we are uh, the entire uh, life on Earth is an experiment by some other alien civilization? Yes. But we are gone past their capacity. That they are scared of us. This got me to thinking. I really wanted to include this question because I really wanted to ask you. I just found it really interesting. It is a. These are like thought experiments. What you do, no? Another thing which you sometimes I don't given it as a thought. Just like that, I keep thinking. We we talk about life on other planets, 
but we are searching life for other planets thinking that they will be like us of course i know there are experiments uh, they do saying that it could be silicon based life form or some other based life form but what if uh, they cannot be seen with any of the spectrum light spectrum they belong to a separate light spectrum they belong to a separate form which we cannot see what if uh, they are with us now yeah what if this is a the entire thing is a simulation there is a something which comes in kenopanishad uh, if i remember correctly that uh, we are all brahma's dream <laughs> so that suddenly you reach into that uh, the question which modern science poses i for not for a moment i will claim that uh, uh, upanishads contain all modern science it doesn't but it contains a great lot of imagination so these are all first uh, Uh, see these are all proto science first Im- imagination has to come i don't know why it got stopped we had started uh, this questioning things and we had started this flight of imagination which could have led to an explosion of science so one form of thinking is what if uh, life exists in different forms among ourselves the sense that not what we perceive as carbon based life forms and the we we can feel uh, we can see through say microscope or we can see through your eyes only a small spectra there is a, another spectrum of light another spectrum of matter which is already there which is passing through us which is different light form life form which cannot see us or perhaps which can see us and are watching us whether we are a simulation entire thing is a simulation whether the mayavada that uh, universe is an illusion and like matrix what they ask no it comes from the mayavada like yeah. agreda whether uh, it is uh, jagat mithya whether we are all an illusion and uh, or are we living in a computer game where somebody is killing off where the fighting people are sitting and playing and creating war sometime creating this thing sometime and we don't even recognize it extending it to the other side what if uh, the computer game is thinking thinking like that they don't know they are in the game the characters in the computer game or a video game or a ps4 game they don't know that there is a controller outside they think they are acting as per their free will and they are living in their own universe and then infinite regression that you are playing a computer game but somebody is playing you playing a computer game and someone is playing that person playing you playing a computer game so infinite regression on both sides infinite progression infinite regression these are all just thought experiments which uh, strike you when you and uh, you find the shadows of it in many of the ancient books whether it is sanskrit or tamil it's a fascinating book out there so we should not rest it's really it. interesting i just heard it i was like uh, this is really interesting no you just look at the sky suddenly what all it opens up you look at the sky not if you are in delhi or bombay and all in a polluted place you will never see the sky you will see only a haze but if you live in some rural area or you go to some hill station if i i keep going now because of covid otherwise i keep going to kerala i have a writing retreat and a resort which my wife runs for planet green resorts uh, it is in wynad now wynad is easy to introduce because it's a rahul gandhi constituency but wynad is a very old place with uh, it's in nilgiris kerala so you see a million stars uh, on any given night it's clear clear air clear water and it's a beautiful 
paradise on earth so you see look at it uh, look at the stars and suddenly you find that uh, what you are watching the stars which are looking at you their light would have uh, come many light years ago it would have started and it is reaching you know say 1 crore light years ago or 10 lakh light years ago the star would have died off but the light is reaching you so there is an illusion that the star is still there the star would have died off so what you think as a star doesn't exist there but you are looking back into time to a time where the star existed and there is some empty space where you are not seeing any star a star would have been already born there a solar system a galaxy would have been born there but its light will reach only after 10 lakh years so what exists you are not seeing suddenly you find that you are in an illusion already what what the what you are seeing is not there or it is there what you are not seeing also is not there or it is not there you don't know yes you wonder at the complexity then suddenly when then you come and somebody says no no ramayana is good versus evil and this thing and all we can only laugh we, because it is all talk about truths much beyond that and uh, these are all just stepping stones humanity has to go beyond we should not go backwards we have to go beyond that reaching bigger frontiers because other countries are doing that we cannot be stuck in the past we have been giving given a launch board we have been given a civilization which dared to think a lot and then it got stagnated it is time to rekindle that and go to the frontiers of science one thing which i would fascinate i would like to do is to do a proper science fiction uh, india doesn't have a proper science fiction future becomes the youth should think about conquering mars or beyond traveling beyond space there is the series dark on netflix it it revolves around time travel yeah see uh, one thing what you have to give it to the western world is that uh, see their science fiction uh, stories triggered their imagination a lot that is how the apollo or uh, sputnik now china is having a science fiction revolution the society when it is at uh, triggering uh, just after independence we had some science fiction then it died off in regional literature at least some science fiction used to come in bengali malayalam uh, uh, kannada and all even sl bhairappa wrote science fiction but then it died off slowly because uh, at least when we got freedom we were talking about uh, scientific institutions uh, uh, keep making iits at that time establishing iits uh, establishing bark there were we had uh, davan and bhumi uh, jahangir baba and cb ramans and all those people and uh, white revolution green revolution there was a thrust to science you have always said that understanding others perspective is the best way to avoid conflict so what should it is not possible to understand others perspective in every case right so what should one do in this case uh it is not we had to try to understand nothing is completely possible but what what essentially happens is no what the what space we had in conventional india which had its all lots of faults including casteism uh, which we write a lot against but otherwise one positive aspect of india at least what it had and slowly we are losing is that this also could be truth the thought that this also could be truth so in the same country we can walk naked as agoris or as jain sanyasis you can walk in burqa that is also accepted yeah same in the same street you can find both you cannot imagine it in a western society 
you can think that uh, you can you should not even hurt a worm you should not step on an earthworm so you can sweep whatever is in front of you with a broom and walk and uh, you can be ananda margi and eat popsas both are accepted both may not be able to understand each other but both can say that maybe i don't know whether i am 100% right maybe his path is right let him live and let i also live i consider cow as holy i pray to it you are accepted there is no that is why india became so accepted to everything that is why parsis could come here jews could come here and settle when persecution was happening everyone was accepted to our souls this is beyond what even a country like uh, many european countries have not achieved even now they want everyone to be the same uniformity was uh, never imposed in india you your way and i my way you don't you are a atheist it's all right you can be an atheist out of six system of philosophy three systems are atheist so atheism is accepted you are an agnostic like buddha okay you can be an agnostic you are a bhakta you are a devotee you want to sing and dance do it feel free you want to worship kali and you you don't accept any male gods all right that is great you say i have to be brahmachari okay you be brahmachari i want to marry marry everything is accepted that made what we are that is at least some of the redeeming things uh, for us if you lose that also then what is left a dark age of europe so lastly what message would you like to convey to our audience i will only say one thing it's a beautiful world it's a beautiful life let us not destroy it based on dogmas let us not be, uh, destroy it based on hatred for something or other the moment uh, this i will end it with one story the where shiva had destroyed kama shiva uh, while he was he, he went into a virakti mood that he hates he, after the death of sati he goes into depression he goes to a virakti that is he doesn't he is not interested in life and the world starts wilting because he is shiva it's a beautiful story uh, so the gods conspire there's a parvati who gets born as himavans himalayas son a daughter she is doing his service but he doesn't have eyes to see her he doesn't have eyes to see the beauty of the world his eyes are closed and in their union a son has to be born the kartikeya has to be born because the darkness is spreading in the world the world is withering they sent kama the god of passion god of love god of beauty god of music god of art he goes there and he shoots at shiva and he doesn't shoot a brahmastra he doesn't shoot with anything of destruction the arrows of kama is the arrows of uh, spring the vasanta his uh, bow string is made of bees his bow is made of uh, sugar cane sweetness he has five flowers as arrows he shoots it at shiva and the world blossoms into beauty the rainbow comes rain comes sun comes its flowers bloom birds sing and shiva opens his eyes but when he opens he opens his third eye and destroys kama and again the world withers 
then all the gods come and pray to Shiva and pacify him. And he closes and then he sees Parvati, he sees beauty. He falls in love. And he resurrects Kama. But Kama is without body, the Anaga, Ananga. He's called Ananga, the one without body. He gives him a boon, dissolved in the air. And whenever anything living, it breathes, let you enter into the heart. So, whenever any living thing, from virus to weight, from worm to whale, virus might be a wrong thing, virus is a living thing or not, we don't know. Virus doesn't breathe perhaps, anaerobic ways. So, from worm to whale, humans, whatever it breathes, we breathe the passion, the love, the karma, the beauty. Without that, there is no life. So, when we are stopping it, when we are getting blinded with dogma, when we are getting blinded with the thoughts that some are good and some are evil, I am good and rest is evil, all those, we cease to be Indians, we cease to be humans, which I think should be one and the same for the for what this geography has given to the world is this message, live life because it is beautiful. It is a life-affirming civilization. It is not a life-denying civilization of spirituality that the British made it to be. Because this is the land of Kama Sutra, this is the land of Arthashastra, this is the land of so much forms of music, art, uh, temples, architecture, sculptures. It, every You go to ancient temples, much of it is not left uh, in the north, in the Gangetic Plains, but if you come to south or east, where which didn't have much of invasions uh, due to geographical reasons and historical accidents. You still find life throbbing in the sculptures. See the sculptures, whether it is Buddhist, Jain or Hindus. See them, see the Hampi, see the Kanchiburam, see the Tiruvannandavaram, see the Jadeshara uh, temple or so many other Puri or other things or Kajarao in the center or Elephanta near Bombay. It throbs with life, throbs with beauty. And you go outside, uh, get out of your social media, go outside and just watch. Even in the crowded streets of Mumbai, even in the crowded streets of Delhi, if you just look out of your car or you look out through your helmet if you are driving a bike or if you are walking, in the median where there are some withering flowers, there are still butterflies around. There are still birds. This is a blessed country. How many minas are there in your background? Uh, just see the crows. Just see still uh, the moonlight is beautiful. And why do you want to throw it away all to rage in social media and think uh, everyone else is evil and I am only right? This might be the message. The world is so beautiful that it is possible to describe it in words. It's amazing, amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir, for gracing us with your presence. I Thank personally you. am incredibly inspired and I'm sure our audience will be as well. <laughs>